It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Well, Ari Nagel is here. He is a mathematics professor, and by all accounts, uh, quite a good one, but that is by no means what he is most famous for. Uh, Ari, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. It's good to see you. It's so good to be here. Uh, Ari, uh, I have have one child. How many do you have? 146. I had two born last month. Cool. Congratulations. How does one have 146? Now, how many have you raised? Well, you know, some kids I see all the time and some I've never met. It's really always up to the moms what role they want me to play. But uh, I would really say I'm more like a, an uncle friend role uh, for most of them, even though a lot of them do call me dad. The um, 146 that you have, were you a sperm donor to all of them? Is that how they were conceived? It, virtually. Well, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it, the lines get crossed all the time. There's a lot of gray area there. Well, um Last night I went to the circus. Uh, I took a couple kids with me, you know, and then I went to the circus again on Monday, took a couple of kids with me then, you know, so I don't think a sperm donor does that. No, but um, the act of conception, was it all that way as with you as a sperm donor? Yes, yeah, basically, okay. except for the first. I have, so, I have a 20 year old that you that you raised in a standard conventional parenting way. I suppose, yes. Okay. <laughs> the mother did most of the heavy lifting. So, um, Ari, this has got to be some sort of a, a record, I would think, right? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of guys out there having a lot of kids, you know, but I'm probably getting up there. Was the Tell me about the first time that you became a, a sperm donor. What made you want to do it? Um, I have a... A 20-year-old who's just a girl that I met in Webster Hall, you know, and then uh, I have two 15-year-olds, and both of those were when I started uh, donating sperm. So it's really been going on for 15 years. But did you just wake up one morning and said, you know, hey, I- I'm going to be a sperm donor, or or was there more to it? And it was, um, you know, I came across an ad on Craigslist. It was a popular website that people used to use back in the day. Sure. And not anymore. <laughs> but um and it was two uh, women that asked me for help. One was a lesbian, and uh, I think the father of their other children had died. And then the other one was a single woman who uh, was in her 40s, and she wasn't meeting Mr. Wright, and it was basically a now-or-never situation. Why are you so in demand? Why do so many people want to have you as the biological father of their children? Uh, well, there's lots of reasons women may uh, choose me. Um, I think the number one reason is maybe it's free, right? So I'm never charging any of the women that I'm helping. So all the money that they're able to save, uh, they're able to use towards uh, the, the raising of the children. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so varied, man. And um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes it's a religion. Sometimes it's my blue eyes and uh, you know, it, it's varied why they're choosing me. But uh, I think there's an ultimately just a big demand in general for, uh, you know, listen, we got the th- over 300 million people in the country. Let's say uh, 5% of them are lesbians, you know, so they need help to have a family. Uh, like half the women I help probably are lesbian couples. But, uh, but you know, one of the children I had born last month, uh, the, it was a heterosexual couple. But then genetically, they were both carriers for the same thing. So. Instead of going to a clinic, we just did it on our own, and now they're able to have a child. So this is not a situation where your donation is on file in a sperm bank, and people go through a catalog, and they pick you out. People reach out to you directly. 
That's correct. I've never donated anonymously to a sperm bank. And so and you haven't made any money with any of these donations. Correct. Um, I never charged any of the women. And uh, I think that's true for uh, uh, traditional parents as well. They never made money off their kids. Wow. It's just a one way street. Now, of the 146 that you that you have, you mentioned going to the circus with several. Which circus, by the way? Big Apple uh, Circus Circus? Which oh, one? I do the Big Apple quite a lot. I go to the circus often. No, this was Flip Circus. They're in the Bronx. Gotcha. I've, okay. been, to, I've, been, to, I've been to them before in Staten Island. It's like a roaming circus. Gotcha. Of the 146 children that, that you have, they're all biological half siblings with one another. D- how many of them have relationships with people that have different mothers, meaning their other half siblings, your other children? Many, most. Well, I took two kids to the circus. So one, one was a six-year-old daughter from uh, Brooklyn. One was a six-year-old daughter from the Bronx, and they got to meet for the first time uh, last night. But uh, I think a lot of times they're playing video games every single day together, even if they're living in different states. Uh, so a lot of my kids know. Uh, I had 20 kids show up to my birthday party uh, in August. So a lot of uh, kids are getting together on a regular basis, especially if they're uh, close in age and geographically are located near each other. Do you introduce these children when they meet one another as this is your brother or this is your sister? Yes. And um, how do uh, how, over 50 of my children have a full sibling? So a lot of the families came back to me for help. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, no, that, that makes sense. I guess the first question a lot of people are going to ask when they hear your story is, why do you want to do this? Why would you want to be father to 146 different children more? Well, you probably could ask any parent that. Why do they want to have kids? You know, so some of those same reasons would apply to me as well. Uh, but it's not really so much about me having my 147th child. It was about uh, helping this woman realize her life's purpose and make her dreams come true by taking a few minutes out of my day. Um, so I had t- two kids born last month, one in Vegas and one in Florida. And um, the one in Vegas is just a beautiful le- couple. Um, it's a lesbian couple, and th- they're going to provide a fantastic home. And then I had another heterosexual couple uh, living in Florida. So I think uh, but there's a, a lot – I get a lot of joy out of it even if I'm not charging them $100. I think people wouldn't question my motivation if somehow I charged $100. Like somehow that's – Well, no, uh, I'm not questioning it. No, I, I, I'm, yeah. I understand, but I'm saying if I charge $100, they're, oh, well, he's doing it for the $100. That makes sense. <laughs> and then, oh, I'm doing it for free. And what I'm – you know, it changes the – dynamic of the relationship as soon as you start charging money for it you know that they they don't look to me as a donor more often than not they're looking to me as family when you when you do be become a, stir, a sperm donor to another woman or another couple are you hoping that you'll be involved in that child's life and uh, how many of these women want you involved it's varied and it's dynamic and I don't have any hopes. Uh, I always put the ball in their court and they always decide what level or role they want me to play. And it changes all the time. So sometimes they said, well, we don't want you to play a role at all. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and they're like, oh, we need you to babysit twice a week because, uh, you know, I'm an essential worker. So <laughs> it, you, you name it, it changes and uh, it could go both ways. And I think that's uh, something that they appreciate is that the ball's always in their court about what role uh, they want me to play. So it's not a decision they need to make when we're meeting for the first time conceiving the child. Uh, they, uh, I think, uh, understand. And I think, listen, it's 
it's a lot. He has 146 children. Why don't we find someone who doesn't have so many children where his time won't be so pressed? But I think it's also uh, appreciative for, for the women that are reaching out to me. They like the fact that I have so many children because this way they're not worried about me going after custody. If I had only two, three children, and I might go after custody for these children to try and spend time with them. But here they know, well, he has a whole bunch. Uh, Ari Nagel is my guest. You know what? If you have questions for him about this subject, uh, give us a call. one 800 848 That's 800-848-9222. Ari Nagel is here. He is the biological father to 146 children and counting. If you're just tuning in, my guest has one of the most unique stories I've ever encountered, and I thought I'd heard them all. I am joined in studio by a gentleman who is a celebrated mathematics professor, but someone who is best known as fathering more than 100 children. As of today, it uh, appears that number is 146. Uh, my guest is Ari Nagel. There was a documentary that came out about him about six years ago called The Sperminator. There are some other documentaries. If you're interested in learning more about him, we'll tell you about those in a moment. Ari, uh, you were telling us right before the uh, break that you maintain a relationship with many of the children that you're the biological father of. Is it safe to assume that you don't financially support all 146 of these children? Uh, just turn Ari's mic on if we can. Thank you, Matt. Go ahead. Yeah, that's definitely safe to say. <laughs> I can't. I wouldn't be able to. I'm a college professor. I teach mathematics at the uh, CUNY. So well, my salary doesn't allow me to uh, support them all. Sometimes I'll do token amounts uh, and maybe, uh, you know, give a, a case of diapers. You know, so I came into a little cash. Uh, some baby mama paid me back. I spent a thousand dollars on diapers. It didn't even make a dent. I have 17 kids on the way. So I tried to send some a case of diapers. But, it, um, you know, even if I just wanted to do some small token amount, like maybe a dozen roses on Mother's Day for each of the mothers, you know, that's uh, around 146 moms. So that would be a, a Challenging. Oh boy, yeah, I can imagine. Um, Ari Nagel, if you if people have questions for him, they can give us a call one eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two four open lines. If you have questions, I, Esquire reported that several of the women that had mothered your children had had sued you. Is that accurate? Yeah, all 146, if they wanted, can sue me for child support. Uh, the vast majority of them didn't. Just a few of them went back on their word, and I pay child support uh, for those moms that sued me. I pay child support for around nine of my children. So what is the law exactly? If you're a sperm donor, are you just as as responsible for child support as if you did this the old-fashioned way? Unless it's anonymous, you're essentially just on the hook like any other dad. Really? So you're really taking... Quite a risk by doing what you're doing, potentially financially. Yes, no doubt, 100%. And, uh, you know, listen, they're taking a risk, too, because they're trusting someone. I mean, initially, when they first meet me, we're basically strangers. So they're taking a risk that I won't file for custody. And I'm taking a risk that they won't file for child support. So it's almost like a quid pro quo where we're both trusting each other to do the right thing. Wow. Uh, Now, I mentioned uh, the Sperminator documentary. We played that trailer. In that trailer, there's a clip of you uh, saying that um, a certain sperm bank didn't, you were prohibited from donating any more sperm. That was actually an Israeli sperm bank, right? That made that prohibition. Each country has different laws. So it, uh, some countries don't allow known donors. So the U.S. is the Wild West of fertility. So it does allow known sperm donors to even use a clinic. 
Um, but in Israel, the laws are also pretty forward thinking. But, you know, the, the, they require parenting contracts. They have some other uh, uh, issues. I think it was a very religious minister of health who just ruled against it. But technically, I was complying with the laws. I had frozen sperm for six women there. Uh, and then um, and then I think the minister of health read an article in the New York Post that was picked up by the Israeli media and then said, wait a minute, this is not in the spirit of the law, even though technically mm-hmm. I was complying with it. How far geographically are your children spread? Uh, this month I have uh, birthdays in obviously New York and New Jersey, uh, but uh, I also have in Asia and Europe. So but they're, they're spread out pretty far. Um, I have kids in Africa, Europe, Middle East and Asia. I visited all kids in all of those continents uh, uh, the, in the past two months. In the Esquire magazine article that I had read about you from a couple of years ago, it said that you were considering retiring from sperm donation to focus on your existing children. I guess you haven't retired. Uh, that's correct, but uh, it's approaching. I'm 48 years old now, so I, I don't really see myself doing this in my 50s. So do you think 50 is kind of the cutoff for you? Yeah, but, you know, it might be a little difficult to say no to siblings. You know, like I say, over 50 of my children have a full sibling. If one of the mothers that I already have a child with wants another child from the same father, that might be a little bit more challenging to say no, but maybe just stop taking on maybe perhaps new clientele. Uh, Understanding that a lot of the women that you've helped with this are in are lesbians or in lesbian relationships has Anybody, any of the mothers of these 146 children asked you to go through uh, conceiving the old fashioned way? A lot of my children were conceived the old fashioned way when I was starting out. I really? I didn't really know of another way. Yeah. Uh, it didn't matter uh, whether they were lesbians or single mothers by choice. Uh, sometimes I have women that want to do it the old fashioned way, but at this point, I have 17 kids on the way. If I was having unprotected sex with those uh, women to conceive, then it, it would just be a matter of time before I'd be putting all of these women at risk. So uh, right now, I'm not doing any. Uh, old-fashioned conceptions. When you're this prolific and there's, um, you know, 146 of your children out there now, it's not inconceivable to think that in the um, relatively near future there could be 175, 180. Yep. Well, I'll have 17 in the next nine months. <laughs> right. I have 15 women, uh, 14 women pregnant. Three of them are having twins. Presumably, um, you could have a situation where all of their children be are plentiful and you could be a common ancestor for uh, i don't think it's an exaggeration to say thousands tens of thousands of people in the relatively near future is there any concern that some of your children or grandchildren may end up uh, either inadvertently or because their moms were in the same face group book group or something along those along those lines Involved in a relationship with one another that could turn romantic and, and essentially be incestual, incestuous. Yeah, well, you know, if each of my children are as prolific as me, then I think in like three <laughs> generations, I replaced all the Jews that were murdered in the Holocaust. But that, of course, I don't think my uh, 79 daughters are going to be as prolific as me, at least that. But uh, that's not really a danger. I think that's probably more of a concern for anonymous sperm donors who nobody knows right, okay. who their children are. And also nobody knows how many children they had. I mean, am I the most prolific? Well, nobody knows because then nobody keeps track of women, uh, men 
that are donating anonymously. They're just putting it in a clinic and nobody keeps track of how many of those actually produce the results. So, uh, it, you know, it, listen, uh, New York City is a city of uh, probably over 20 million people in greater New York. And uh, I only have like 50 children uh, there. Uh, the protocols are 25 children for a city of 800,000. Uh, so in a city like New York, I could have 625 children. And of course, my children are in over 20 states and, and different countries as well. And um, I know you you mentioned replacing all the Jews that were lost in the Holocaust. You, you were uh, born in an Orthodox Jewish family, I know, educated in yeshiva. There's not a religious element to this, is there? Is this some some uh, mission to to do that, to replace as many Jews as you can? Yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm probably breaking lots of laws in many, many different religions. And of course, my children are all faiths. Uh, I, I went to a christening uh, last Sunday, it was such a beautiful ceremony. And then afterwards, I had like a really religious wedding in Muncie. So it was like a funny day on Sunday because I went to this, you know, christening and I'm going through the motions and, you know, <laughs> of everything that that entails in some black church in Brooklyn. And then just two hours later, I'm dancing with the black hat on in circles. That's very funny. 800-848-9222. If you have questions, Mike in Flatbush, you're here with uh, Ari Nagel. How are you, Frankie? I was wondering, if, is he vaccinated? Uh, I'll, Ari, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a lot of uh, families that I help that are anti-vaxxers, you know, and uh, it frustrates right. me a little bit because sometimes the kids can't go to school. But I'm happy to report that the uh, Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine did not affect my fertility. It was actually during the pandemic was some of my most prolific years because uh, I wasn't having to go to work and uh, I was able to teach online and uh, flights got very, very cheap. So I had had more kids. I think I had over 30 kids born uh, just in one year on four continents. Is it on demand or is it frozen? It's all generally produced on demand. Sometimes if they really live far, we'll freeze it and use a clinic. But the vast majority of the time, we're just doing it on our own. I put in a couple and they're testing positive and I give it to them. I made a donation yesterday for a, a woman from China who's visiting. Wow. Uh, thanks, Mike. Great, great question. Uh, how do people find you generally? To do this. Uh, yeah, maybe they're listening to the show, you know, and they say, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, I'm 38 and maybe I just want to be a single mother by choice because uh, Tinder's not working out. And then uh, a lot of times it's word of mouth. Um, last night I went to the circus uh, with, with my daughter and I met their moms at a, one of my other kids' birthday parties. You know, sometimes I'm showing up to a birthday party. There's a lot of other lesbian couples there and that's just how I met her. So it, it varies. And, but so it's sometimes it, there's no one way to skin a cat. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's in person. Sometimes it's a referral. Other times people will seek you out on social media or something along those lines. Exactly. And then I have a, a couple of documentaries that are coming out. So one's an Israeli documentary called The Baby Daddy. And then I have another one coming out on Hulu this spring. So uh, sometimes they might watch that. That was on CNN this past year. So that. Brought me a lot of interest, and sometimes you see a little spike after something airs. I um I uh, I know some people that have children with two, maybe three different women, and they these men describe overwhelming drama in dealing with the mothers of their children, whether they have whether they have good relationships, poor relationships. They describe really a lot of drama. Is there a lot of drama with dealing with the mothers of 146 different children? It can be. You know, I, th- I think there's a lot of custody drama 
probably is uh, the big one because they have to share custody. I don't have those issues because the mothers always know that, that they have 100% of the – uh, custody making decisions of uh, custodial custody or, uh, you know, any kind of visitation will always be up to them. So we have less to fight about. I love the child. They love the child. So we don't really have too much drama. I think sometimes, uh, you know, they get a little upset if I'm missing things. I promised my daughter I'll spend the night there. And then I realized I had this interview. So I canceled. She was like, why do you tell her you're coming? And then you're not going to come. So I get quite a bit of that. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. How do your students feel? Obviously, I'm sure a lot of them know about your uniqueness. How do they feel when they learn about this? None of them have any idea. Really? Absolutely You're not. kidding. Correct. I told them to listen to the radio show. We'll see if they listen. So but they don't is... listen to much of what I tell them, so we'll see. <laughs> this is quite a revelation. So when you see someone like Nick Cannon, who has 12 children or 13 children, whatever he has, you just think, oh, that guy's an amateur. <laughs> I'll have 17 in the next nine months. Come on. <laughs> Two last month. You mentioned that uh, other documentary, uh, The Baby Daddy. Uh, people can't see that in the United States at this point yet, right? It went to some film festivals, and it, it re- was released in around a dozen countries, but it hasn't been released to a streaming service yet in New York or in the U.S. But the I did see the trailer on uh, on YouTube. That's exactly right. It's a really nice trailer. Yeah, well, no, that is uh, absolutely terrific. Would you recommend this to healthy, able-bodied men? Uh, w- would you suggest that this is a lifestyle that you get a lot of joy out of and that can be rewarding? Oh, no doubt. I mean, obviously it comes with risks, uh, but uh, for sure it's brought me so much joy into my life. And I think it bringing awareness to the different reproductive options that not just women have, but that men have as well, I think ultimately is always good. The You mentioned that you would legally, if you wanted to, have the ability to go after custody of, of some or all of these children. Have you ever seen a situation where one of the children that you've sired is in a difficult family situation and you considered seeking custody of that child to get them out of that situation? It's happened where uh, the state uh, stepped in and took uh, away custody from the mothers. And th- at that point, uh, I would be responsible. So they were going to put the mom, the child in foster care and uh, un- unless the, the father asserts his rights. So – I never took the rights away from the mother, but if the state took the rights away from the mother, then I would try and help them facilitate. Sometimes I'd place them with another mom um, who would raise the child till the mother can ultimately win back custody. And the, the, twice the state's taken away custody, and the, both times the, the mother was able to regain custody eventually, sometimes after a few months, sometimes after a few years. You mentioned that um, that uh, that the – well, actually, a lot of other folks eager to chat with you. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Igor is in New Jersey. Igor, you're on with uh, Ari Nagel. Yes, greetings, Frank and Ari. So, Ari, with the number of, of children that you have fathered, have you ever come across a situation in which one of your children was in a home that was not safe or not being raised very well and you felt the need that maybe you had to put some influence in that household or 
or maybe even consider taking the child. Yeah, see, I don't know that Igor heard um, yeah, my certainly. question. Well, you know, the truth is is that the, I have a, there's lots of different parenting styles, and I, I don't agree with a lot of the parenting decisions that a lot of these moms have made. Uh, but the one thing that I can say without vetting any of these women before I'm helping them grow their families is that they all love the child. These children are all very much wanted, and they're all loved very much. And I think in the end, ultimately, that's the most important thing. Yeah, well, well said. Uh, thank you, Igor. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. Christine, uh, what's your question for Ari? Hi. Um, my question for Ari is, as a Jewish man, I'm wondering uh, if your parents are alive, uh, w- what they think about this. The Jewish mother is so protective of her son and, and so uh, wanting of grandchildren and legacy. So what what do they think? Oh, they're very ashamed of me. <laughs> but, is that true? Oh, yes. First of all, really? my dad is 80. My mom is 75. And, uh, you know, they live in Muncie. Uh, they're, they're embarrassed of my uh, modern family. Uh, they have 28 uh, grandchildren without me. And then, of course, uh, plus my 146, they certainly have lots of Anakluch. Uh, but uh, no, they uh, are ashamed and embarrassed. They want me to get married uh, like a good Jewish mother, <laughs> like most moms, and uh, just live a more traditional lifestyle in the way that I was raised. Like all my four brothers and two sisters all have very traditional marriages and families. Yeah, thanks, Christine. That's a great, a great question. You mentioned having had uh, one son the kind of the conventional way. Before you started your prolific sperm donation, how does your son feel about what you've done and how does he feel about his 145 other siblings? It's not uh, shoes that he's ready to fill yet, not now or ever. <laughs> you know, I think he probably was uh, teased a little bit in school for it, but uh, he's not um, – Continuing on the family tradition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, I'm very lucky. He's a great, wonderful uh, big brother to so many of his uh, siblings. Uh, you know, all my uh, other children have like a, another sibling their age. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, you know, the closest he has are those uh, 15 year olds and he's 20 already. But uh, a lot of them look up to him. I know a lot of my kids uh, uh, visit from out of state. Uh, I just got a text uh, today from a mom in uh, Georgia and she wants the my son to come visit for Christmas. Uh, but uh, it, of course uh, she did a group chat because uh, really she included Tyler. I think my son uh, from Georgia rather spend time with my older son uh, rather than with me. You, you know, they say uh, Genghis Khan is one of the most prolific common ancestors in history. It's uh, believed that uh, there are about 16 million people on earth that are descended from Genghis Khan. You're uh, a mathematics whiz. How many gener- how many years from now do you think we'd have to go before you hit that Genghis Khan level of having 16 million descendants? Yeah, well, you know, if you just assume uh, 2.5 children, let's say for each, uh, we're looking around 13 generations. Uh, I could reach that. <laughs> but um Listen, you know who's the second most prolific person on earth? Nobody knows. Everyone knows Genghis Khan is number one. Nobody remembers number two through 100. Nobody has any idea. You know what's more interesting is that Genghis Khan is the most prolific, and that's what he's most famous for. But he was also responsible for the most death in the world. I think he holds that. as right, He guess. killed more people than any other person on earth. He killed a big percentage of the world. And you say, well, how many kids he had, but how many people did he murder? Yeah, no, I, think I guess probably, in the long run. It it's probably, a, 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 probably even more so. I, I think he killed 
way more than the children he sired. That's uh, for sure. Well, it's uh, Ari, you are a, a fascinating, fascinating person. And uh, I uh, hey, it seems like you're you're happy. Would you say you're happy with everything that you have going on? Yeah. You know, it's funny because the. the I don't care if my kids have blue eyes or are tall or are good at math or are Jewish or any of the other attributes that a lot of the women choose me. I think I'm happy all the time, and I think that's the one attribute that I'd really like for my kids to That's inherit. wonderful. That's yeah. great. Well, one of the things that we've covered a lot is in all of Western society, countries are dealing with a problem with – birth rate, right? And it's, they point to a number of factors, couples deciding to wait later in life to get married, get waiting later in life to have children, better forms of contraception, all, all sorts of other factors. That I've quality heard. of men. Yeah, I, I, I've heard about that. I'm sure this is a subject that you've thought a great deal about. Do you view the declining birth rate in the United States, for instance, as a problem? And as somebody that's probably given this a great deal of thought, how would you address it? We don't really have a declining birth rate in the U.S. as far as I'm aware because we have so many immigrants. And well, I think right, that's, but that, it, so we don't suffer from the same uh, right, struggles it, that maybe a lot of the Western European countries uh, struggle with. immigration. And it's we, funny because sometimes you have these uh, countries that struggle with uh, you know, all of these issues um, and then they have these archaic fertility laws. Every country has different fertility laws and some of them just make it so bizarre and difficult. You can't choose who the father of your child should be. The doctor has to choose and then you have to be married in order to even go to use a fertility clinic in a lot of countries like Germany or France. Is that true? Really? Yeah. So you would have to be married in order to use a clinic and it's a lot of countries are precluding lesbian couples from going basically everywhere in Asia. <laughs> you know, A lot of times we just have to lie and pretend that uh, we're a, um, a couple and that's how we go. In in your based on what you said, it sounds like the United States has pretty liberal laws when it comes to sperm donation and that kind of thing. Uh, the biggest issue with the U.S. is the cost. Uh, the costs are prohibitive here. So, yeah, everything's legal. Sure. But then, you know, good luck affording it. Uh, very few states actually mandate fertility coverage. We're in New York, so we're lucky. Generally, if you have insurance through your employer, you're probably going to be covered. But most states uh, don't have that luxury. Maybe wow. maybe 16 states have some laws mandating some type of fertility coverage. Uh, of course, if you're on uh, Medicaid, or uh, you're out of luck. Well, uh, yesterday we spent a lot of time talking about procrastination. And uh, uh, 24 hours later, spending a great deal of time talking about procreation. <laughs> Ari Nagel, it is a real treat to meet you. I hope we can do this again in the future. Okay, and you're not going to give your child a baby sister? Come on. Well, let's see. Not 145. I can tell you that. I got got some women ovulating today. I can make it happen for you. I appreciate that. Ari Nagel, thank you very much. Uh, If you're interested, you could check out uh, the documentary. It is uh, somewhat dated in that it's a little bit behind in terms of the number number of children. You can go to SpermanatorMovie.com. That's SpermanatorMovie.com. Or if you want to see the uh, trailer for the baby daddy it's on youtube thank you ari uh, if you want to come oh, actually we're going to talk with uh, elizabeth weiss in just a minute about the decision by the american museum of natural history to prohibit human remains from their display we'll get into it this is the other side of midnight straight ahead